Yeah, Father, may, <clears throat> may that be an utterance that, that shapes us. Um, this morning as we, we sing that together, may, may just that over and over again, Jesus is Lord, may it actually decenter us from ourselves. To be, to be reminded that, that there is a good and a loving and a true Savior. That, that, that life to the fullest is, does not have to be done on our own. That it is not done by our own merit. It is not done in our own strength, but it is done in yours. So God, just even as we enter into baptisms today, may may this this whole morning be just be a, an act of proclaiming that Jesus is Lord, whether we feel it or not, whether we are on a low or a high, coming off as this week, may it be a time where we say Jesus is Lord, and may it shape us, may it decenter us from all that's going on in our lives. Yeah. So we just say, come, Holy Spirit, God, have your way this morning only a way that you can. Amen. Amen. Oh, amen. Thank you, team. Um, if your age is 9 to 13, you can go ahead and follow the other 9 to 13-year-olds. You're going to go hang out with Becca downstairs today, and then you're actually going to get out of class early. I like being the bearer of good news. You get out early to come hang out with us for baptisms. Um, hey, real quick, just while we're kids going downstairs, all the other age groups are down there. If you're a parent up here this morning that has a kid downstairs, uh, we would love to give a heads up and then also just ask if you could do something for us if needed. But um, one of the things is we're, we're learning how to better tell our story through things like, you guys have like Facebook? Or like, do you guys go on the internet? Do you guys, is this all new? New things? Okay, there's this new thing called Facebook. Um, Insta, Insta, Instagram. Yeah, Twitter. I'm nailing them. See, this is it. I actually, my freshman year of college was the first in, uh, Facebook year ever. And you ha used to have, a call, have to have like a college email. And then I remember years later, my mom got on Facebook. And that was the worst. Because it used to just be like this cool college thing. And then it wasn't. Hi, mom. Um, so anyways, yeah, so we're just in updating our website, just trying to better communicate to those who might be trying to find life with Jesus and life with community. Um, I think it's like 98% of people before they make any type of decision or go somewhere, they actually search the internet first. And, uh, so a part of that though is Zach's here taking some photos and things today. Long, long way of saying, if you would like to like not have your kids picture or video, in there anywhere. There's like different things where you can see their face every once in a while. Um, Annie's going to be in the back. She has a little tag on next to the Get Connected sign. Just let her know, and then we can just make sure that that's um, a part of what we're doing. So we just want to give a heads up to that. If you would like your kid to not be in any of that, let us know. Um, so with, with all that, uh, speaking of kids, next Sunday, how, how many up here serving kids? I know obviously there's a bunch downstairs right now. Yeah, so a handful of us here. Uh, next Sunday, right after the gathering, the kids team is going to buy you lunch and like have fun and like give you gift cards and play a game. I don't know. It sounds like we should all go. Um, and, and in that, they're also going to do a little bit of kids training. So how do like anyone who's serving on the kids team 
feel competent and confident in, in what we're doing uh, in just sharing Jesus with our youth, like our next generation, Sunday in, Sunday out. What a joy that is. Um, so if you are already on the kids team or if you're interested in what that looks like, we invite everyone to participate uh, as part of the kids team in some way, shape, or form. Even if that doesn't mean in a classroom, but you're helping check people in, or even one thing is security. You know, there's like this idea of having like a peaceful soul up here when your kids are downstairs, and a part of that is making sure that no kids run out of the building. Like, that's a very important role. If we didn't have that one thing, like everything else would fall apart. So if you're like, man, I would love to serve with kids, but I don't want to be in the classroom, that's a great role. Um, so things like that, but I would encourage you, sign up ahead of time, they know how much food to get, and it'll be fun just to stick around after, build some relationship, and talk kids stuff. Sound good? Okay, for anything else in the life of the church, you can text the word Midtown to 94000. Uh, just anything going on, you can give financially there, um, and then any exploring any other serve opportunities, that's all there. So, this morning, Baptism Sunday. Anybody? Yeah? Oh, okay. Yeah, Karen, thank you. There we go. Man. Y'all were more excited about my mom being on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> That was, <laughs> that was not a good start. No, hey, Baptism Sunday, I mean, what we're, what we're starting to move towards is scheduling this at least twice a year. Uh, we want to keep a rhythm that says a part of the life of the church is to give opportunity to come into relationship with Jesus, to enter into relationship with other people, the people of God. And one of the greatest ways we get to demonstrate that is through baptism. Uh, and this would be actually our second baptism as Midtown. So uh, we're really excited about that. We have a couple people scheduled. What I want to say on the front end uh, is that there's a, one of a few people here. Uh, you've been baptized in your life before. Um, you've given your faith, your life to Jesus and put faith in him. And uh, as your savior and you've been baptized, you've professed your faith in him and, and what it looks like to proclaim that. Um, you've done that already. And then a couple of you are already scheduled to do that today. So you've come prepared, uh, you have like clothes that are going to get wet and, and mascara that's not going to bleed in the water and, you know, all those things, right? Like, like we're ready. And then there's some of you that haven't been baptized and maybe even are just trying to like, yeah, I don't even know about Jesus. Um, I've been on a journey of trying to figure out Jesus and God and this thing called faith and maybe you're there or you actually have more or less figured out Jesus and said, yeah, this is this is where I want to commit my life to. This is what I want to follow. Uh, but you actually haven't stepped into the waters of baptism. If that's you this morning, and if you feel a nudge or an urge to get baptized today, I want to invite you to. We can have a quick little conversation beforehand. Andy's again in the back. Um, at any point while I'm talking, you can go chat with her and be like, hey, I think I, think I want to get baptized today. We have extra shirts, we have extra towels, we have extra shorts, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but that invitation is open, and I will extend it one more time when we're outside. So if that's you, I just want to make sure that, like, that's on your mind, it's on your heart a little bit um, as we get ready for this afternoon. That would be an absolute blast. Sound good? Okay. So as we're preparing for this week, um, I kept coming back to a passage, and I want to spend just a handful of minutes talking through this. I'm not going to teach on the ins and outs of baptism for certain reasons, um, but I want to, like all of us to be able to reflect on our own lives this morning, uh, as this isn't just about the couple people who are scheduled to get baptized. And it starts off like this. There is uh, what we know to be a young ruler, and he's a rich young ruler, meaning that 
He has money. He has stuff. He has status. He has people that look to him. His family is probably put together. He more than likely has like property and maybe a couple of vacation homes. Uh, he may or may not win some kind of a community accolade throughout the years. Uh, he is someone of status, of prestige, someone who's doing well, someone who has it together. And he, he tracks Jesus down at one point, and it starts off like this. As he went out into the street, Jesus, a man came, in, came running up, greeted him with great reverence, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? It's a decent question, right? Like, I, I don't know. I, it probably floats around in our minds more often than we actually think. Like, what is, what is after this life? Like, right now, like in my physical body and the blood coursing through and my heart beating, like, if that just all stops, like, what's next? What happens from here? And then maybe the, the greater question is like, how does now actually dictate what happens next? And I'm sure we all come from different places of how now compares to then. You know, for, for some, we're told to like, man, don't smoke, don't drink, don't cuss. And that's, that's your way to this idea of eternal life, right? Some, it, it might be the, the complete opposite. Like, well, just be nice to people. Just be, just be a, a good person, and it's all going to work out. Like, it's, it's going to be, be good. You will have life afterwards. And, and then, you know, some of us probably fall anywhere in between. Anywhere in between. And, and this is both inside of faith and outside of faith, these questions of what happens next? How do I actually get eternal life? And it continues. Said, why are you calling me good? No one is good, only God. No one is good, only God. That, that feels harsh. You know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat. Honor your father and mother. Now, now, now no one is, is good, but do all these good things, right? Like, Uphold the laws that have been handed. Uphold the things that your parents tell you to. Be a, be a good boy or girl in school. Right? Don't, don't disrupt anything. Just live up to what, what, what culture is saying is right and good and true around you in the moment. Or maybe it's just living from what you desire and what you think is good and right and pleasing and, and what you enjoy. Whatever it is, like, just do good. Do, do all these things because you're not good. But if you do good things, then that'll make up for you not being good, and then maybe that's where eternal life is. But why, why are you calling me good, Jesus said to him. He said, good, good teacher. Why, why are you calling me good? Now, now, you're not good. Now, here's the weird thing, is I think oftentimes we might think in a room like this, there's like good people and there's bad people. Or maybe you think like, oh man, at least like I'm not like those people in prison, like they they're really bad. Or like, oh, at least I'm not like that person over there that did that thing because they're, they're really bad. I, I have it together. Now, I would argue, and Jesus is thinking here, that actually we are all bad. And this is like where I get to be the bearer of bad news. Like, I don't know about you, but like, if you think about on this last week, like, think about your worst thought that you had. 
Let's just start there. I don't know, maybe even just think back to this morning. I, a few minutes ago? I, like, think about that. And then, and then there's a degree at which that thought for some people actually works us all the way up to acting on and like life falls apart and destroys and kills and it goes pretty far. Like, there's innate something off inside of us. And it's part of what Jesus is saying, like, no one's good. There's actually something that just isn't right. It isn't perfect. It isn't whole. No one is good, but, but God is good. We'll come back to that a little bit more. So, so he goes on. He's saying, look, don't do all this stuff. And, and this young, having it together, having all things, says, teacher, I have, from my youth, I've kept them all. All, all the things that my Sunday school teacher told me to do or not to do, I got it. Hey, all those laws, the 600 plus laws that ran beyond this list as a good Jewish boy, I have done. I, I, I've, I've crushed it. Like, I've done all these things. Like, I, I, the whole eternal life, like, I, I, I'm like, I don't know, in front of the line. Like, I, I've got everything put together. I, I've done them all. Like, he, he's got to be feeling pretty good right now. Like, he just, like, Jesus is like, well, do this, this, and this. And he's like, yeah, I got it. I got it. Feeling, feeling pretty good. I, I wonder if you think about your life right now. What are the areas that you're doing pretty good in that, that you've got it? You feel pretty good. And then what are the areas that you're not? What are the areas in your life that you're aware of? This piece not going too well. This habit keeps coming up. This way I operate in relationships just continues to seem to like fall apart. What are the areas that you may not feel completely secure or satisfied? What's going well and what's not going well? So to that, he's pretty proud of himself. And then Jesus continues. He looked at him hard in the eye and loved him. Pause there. He looked at him hard in the eye and he loved him. Andrew, he looked at you hard in the eye and he loved you. Ollie, he looked at you hard in the eye and he loved you. Wesley, he looked at you hard in the eye and he loved you. Kelly, he looked you hard in the eye. He loved you. Justin, he looked you hard in the eye, and he loved you. How, how often do you think about that? Like, I, I don't know about you, but I, I can go through my days oftentimes thinking about what's going well and what's not, what I'm good at and what I'm not. But how, how often do I actually pause and let God look at me in the eye and love me? He looked him in the eye. He loved him. Looked him in the eye. And he loved him. And he said, there's one thing left. Go sell whatever you own and give it to the poor. All your wealth will then be heavenly wealth. And come follow me. Now, in a culture like ours, it's very easy to rank who's winning and who's losing. Who's doing well and who's not. The challenge is, is it's all relative because Daniel and I probably have a different list of there's a lot of similarities, but then there's differences. Like, oh, this person's doing better than this person. He's like, oh, I don't know. Like, they're probably doing this. And like, like well, they're, but they're like, it's all relative. You and I have different lists of what's good and what's bad. So, so to actually measure how we're doing becomes very, very challenging. 
But what Jesus does here is he says, okay, you got it all. You're nailing it. You're checking the boxes. You're living up to the things that a good Jewish boy would who has it all together and is representative of his community. But here's what I want you to do. You should take all your possessions, all the things you have, and I want you to sell them and give it to the poor. And then come follow me. So, so there's an interesting distinction here that you, you can be a good person. You can do the things that are applauded and clapped for. And there's a list that someone has, whether it's yours or someone else's, that you're crushing it in. But he makes a distinction between doing good and following him. And the gap seems to be something. For this man, it was his money and his wealth and his possessions. And Jesus said, if, if you give that up, come follow me. And then it goes on like this. The man's face clouded over. This was the last thing he expected to hear. And he walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight to a lot of things. and Not about to let go. What are you holding on to this morning? What's the thing that is a separate from whether you're doing good or bad? And it's just that thing that's that's yours, that you're holding pretty tightly on, that you're trying to find satisfaction in, that you're trying to find all of your being and your identity in, that you're finding your influence in. What's, what's the thing this morning? Is it more income? Is it a better relationship? Is it your appearance? Like, like just if you keep going down the list, what, what's the thing you're like, man, God, I'm crushing it in all these areas, but I, I can't give you this one. Like, this, this, is for my, this is for me to figure out. This is, this is mine. Is it your children? Is it your career? Is it your status? What, what's the thing that, that he makes a distinction? You're good or you're bad, but then there's a gap between following him. And, and it continues as this man's head is held down and he walks off looking at his disciples, and now he turns to everyone else that was sitting there. That's quite vulnerable, right? There's like others in part of this conversation that we had no idea about. So, so like, imagine like Jesus talking to me like that, and I'm feeling, feeling pretty good about myself, but all you were sitting here quietly watching it happen. I don't even know if this guy knew that the others were around. Who knows? But he looks to all of them, and he says, do you have any idea how difficult it is for people who have it all to enter God's kingdom? Do you have it all? Do you... Now, I know there's a lot you don't have, and you can make a quick list of who has more than you, but, but in your mind, do you have it all? Do you have everything that you need to become the person that you want to become? Do you, do you have everything you need to be the loving, grace-filled, kind, gentle, peacemaking person? Do, do, you, do you actually have all of it to become everything that God wants to do in your life? Do, do you have it? Do, can you do it? Do you have it all? Do you have it all? Because this man had it all, and his thing was his status and his money. And he said, it's difficult for these people to enter the God's kingdom. The disciples couldn't believe that they were hearing, and Jesus kept on. You can't imagine how difficult. I'd say it's easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for the rich to get into God's kingdom. Next one. That got their attention. Then who has any chance at all? So, so if I can't earn my way into life with God by my merit, by my morals, by my good behavior, by my success, by my status, by feeling good about myself, if I can't enter God's kingdom that way, then, then I think we should all be 
a little bit depressed and walking away to feel let down because we've been now been told something that we so badly wanted to hear that I could earn my love from God, that I could earn life with God, that I could earn, that I could earn, that I could earn. Got their attention. Then they, then who has any chance at all? Next slide. Jesus was blunt. No chance at all if you think, if you, think you can pull it off by yourself. Every chance in the world if you let God do it. You, you, you have no chance at all. Does that feel good this morning? <laughs> like, like whatever you're trying to grow in or become and the habit you want to overcome or the, the thing that just feels habitual in your life that continues to just lead to some kind of brokenness or unsettledness inside of you, you actually have no chance. Have a good morning. Like that, he just tells them all. You, you have no chance. You think you have it all, but you actually don't. You don't have it all. You think you have, you want to have it all. But guess what? Even when you get what you think is all, he still says, you don't have it. You, you can't do it. And this draws us back to the beginning when he says, why do you call me good? The only one who is God is good is God. There, there are no good people. The only one that's good is God. And I think in the beginning, what he's trying to do with with you and me, as he was with this rich young ruler, is to say, do you actually believe you're good and that you have it all, or do you believe that God is good and he can do it all? Do you believe that on your own moral and merit, do you believe that you can earn your way to do all the things that God wants you to do in your life? To become the person that he wants you to become, because I know I'm not the only one in the room that can walk around oftentimes feel shame and guilt because this piece of my life is just a little bit off and I actually don't want people to know about it. That I, I actually don't feel completely whole or confident every time I walk up here and grab a mic and act to speak on behalf of God. But, but, but man, I, I need to act like it, don't I? What's the area of your life where you don't have, you actually have needs and you have wants and you have unmet needs and None met once, and, and it just doesn't seem, because over and over again, especially if you're here this morning and you don't do church, we do this weird thing where we sing to walls. That doesn't happen often until it's like a 2 a.m. at a bar doing karaoke. In a minute, we're going to be like dunking people underwater. And actually, if you're thinking about it, it might be best symbolized as actually being dunked in a coffin. That might be just be too grim, but we'll talk more about that later. But, but like as we do this thing called church, oftentimes it's this idea that I have my life together. Well, those are the people that have this relationship with God, and because of that, they have it figured out. And then very quickly, don't those become the people that think others don't actually have it figured out? And now most people statistically look at the church as hypocrites because aren't they the ones that are supposed to be perfect? And what Jesus is doing here is he's undoing the entire narrative of religion, saying, no, you actually do not have any of the things that I want to do in and through you, but God does. In, in all the areas you're trying to strive and earn and grow, you're not going to get there because you're by yourself. And you, you, you can't do it alone. You can't do it on your own, but, but God can. And a part of this, this next slide, just a quick little phrase, life with God is life by God. And, and as simple as that sounds, what I was trying to think of is that if I want to have any life with God, it's really just because of him. 
If, if, if I actually want to enter into a good life, an abundant life, a life where he has plans for me and to prosper me and not to harm me, if I, if I want the idea of community and to feel loved and to feel whole and to feel connected, it's not by me, it's by him. It, it's nothing that I can do, it's what he can do. It's nothing that I have done, it's what he has done. And so what we're doing in the act of baptism is it's actually a bunch of people who are willing to come to this point and say, I can't do this on my own. I, I cannot keep doing this. I want life with God. I want life with other people. I want to feel whole. I want peace. I no, no longer want anxiety. I want to have grace in my life. I want to be able to forgive people. I mean, you just keep going down the list. I want to live differently. I want to be generous. I want life with God. Those are the people that say, I can't do it on my own. But God, in his mercy and grace, has extended his hand through Jesus, through the life, the death, and the resurrection, and has pursued you, just like he did with this young man. He has looked you in the eyes and has said, I love you. That is the starting point of all things with God. That is the starting point of who you want to become or who you think you want to become. That is the starting point of, of seeing relationships healed and repair this is the starting point of you living more confidently into the giftings that God has given you and the specific calling for your life to live out a greater purpose than the mundane life that we oftentimes experience from eight to five, Monday to Friday, to find alleviation on the weekend. We're a bunch of people who are walking into a building on a Sunday morning saying, man, this life is freaking hard. I need a savior. I need God, I need you. You and I, like, this is what it starts to look like, and baptism becomes the representation saying, I'm here, and I'm showing up, and I want more. I want more of God. I want more wholeness. I, I want all the things that God has for my life, and I know I can't do it on my own anymore. And I want to proclaim that publicly on behalf of God, but also with each other. Baptism is for people who want to go further with God, but know they cannot do it themselves. And this is oftentimes humiliating, humiliating, which oftentimes requires vulnerability. Someone said it better than I ever could. Genuine transformation requires vulnerability. It is not the fact of being loved unconditionally that is life-changing. It is the risky experience of allowing myself to be loved unconditionally. My, my, my parents can tell me all they want that they love me unconditionally, that they love me no matter what I do. But until I actually step into the vulnerable state of receiving that, I don't know if I ever experienced the love to be transformed in a person that feels loved, that lives as if I'm loved, that doesn't have to go into every room being insecure and trying to earn status and approval, that doesn't have to pull away when God is calling me into something because I doubt myself. And you just keep going down the list it's this idea that I can vulnerably step in, being that rich young ruler, seeing Jesus in front of me, looking me deeply in the eye, saying, I love you. And it's because of that love that he asks us to sell the possessions, to give to the poor and to follow him. To give up your status and your ego, to, to give it away to somebody else and to follow him. To stop worrying about the future which you cannot control and to follow him to forgive the people that you're bitter against and not forgiving and to follow him, to start giving generously because the money that you want is never going to be your full satisfaction and to follow him over and over and over again. So for some of us in this room, maybe most who have been baptized, this is a morning to remember your baptism.
to, to remember that, that this is what baptism comes from, that, that he has looked at you and I, and he has said, I love you, and for that reason, man, give up that thing you don't want to give up because I have so much more for you than you could ever imagine by following me because he is good, and he is loving, and he is kind, and he knows you more than you know yourself. That is what we're celebrating in baptism. And lastly, to put a button on it, 1 Peter 3.21, they're talking about some water with Noah beforehand, and this water symbolizes baptism and now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not the removal of dirt. You do not have your life completely put together yet. Oftentimes, as I will get baptized once I have it all figured out. I will enter into baptism once I'm put together. I will go into baptism once this thing falls off of me. I'll go into baptism once I stop doing this thing that I know other people don't approve of. But no, he... He actually says, no, this isn't, that's not the point. It's not for you to become perfect and have it all figured out and become legalistic and think you have all the answers and know what's best for other people. He's saying that you enter in because you're proclaiming that the rest of your life is to follow him even when you don't have it figured out, even when you do still feel broken, even when this thing still feels off kilter. Baptism is saying, I am putting my love, my trust, my grit, everything that I, everything that I can, I'm putting in my life with Jesus. Over and over and over again to follow him. It's not for those that are perfect and have it figured out. It's for those that have come to the realization that they never will be perfect and they will never have it all figured out. But God's promise is that he does. Because he's looked you in the eye and he said, I love you. And I have all of you. Give me the thing. Give me the thing. Ish, you can start making your way up. Um, before we start playing some music and exiting this building, I'll give instruction for that to go outside for baptism. Uh, I'm going to invite both Kelly and Chris up. So you guys are going to come join me up here with whatever you're going to read from, and we're going to celebrate this. So can you guys just say congratulations and like welcome them for coming up here and doing this? This very vulnerable thing to stand in front of a bunch of people and like share your story and then go like get wet in a baptismal. So um, what we're going to do is, is we want them to share their story. A part of baptism is that we get the joy of proclaiming and professing the thing that we have taken inward. This idea that Jesus has extended to us by God to draw us into relationship and that invitation has been received. And so every time we do baptism, it's an opportunity to celebrate that. It's, it's an opportunity to be vulnerable and share this idea of taking a risk to receive the unconditional love to be poured out. And, and that is ultimately what we hope to do over and over again as part of transformation in our own lives. If you want more in your life, it's that. To be vulnerable, to take the risk, and to receive the unconditional love of God and others over and over again. So what we're going to do is they're going to share their story here. We'll do a short blessing, and then what we're going to do is all of us in this room are going to receive a blessing on the way out, down the stairs, through the front door, along the sidewalk to the grass, uh, through the front yard behind this building, and we're going to hang out there and then do some water baptisms there, okay? Uh, and I'll get to that piece in a second. 
after we share some stories. So we have Kelly Castillo and we have Chris Collins. And if there's anyone else in this room, again, that you feel a nudge to, to make this proclamation of a, a new association, then Andy's going to be in that back table. And you can just quickly say, okay, I want to get baptized. And then we'll just figure it out. Whatever that means, I'll help, and we'll figure it out in between, okay? So, each of you, let's just share a story. Do you want me to hold the mic, or would you like to hold it? Okay, so Kelly's going to go first. Uh, growing up, we were raised with God, and I knew about God, but I never truly had a, or, or had a relationship with him. In my, youth, I, in my youth, I knew I believed in him, but I not, did not truly understand him. As I got older, I felt shame, and I had the feeling that I was just floating through life. I thought God had these expectations of me and that it was a boundary that had stopped me from drawing closer to him. As I've gotten more connected to God, I've come to know his love doesn't come with conditions. He said that I don't need to be perfect to be God. <laughs> and that he loves me as I am. He heals our brokenness, not having a true relationship with him. Now, having a true relationship with him, I feel his love, and I know that God loves me through my ups and downs, and that God makes me whole. Thank you, Kelly. Hold it near you. Um. Yeah, so uh, um, just I'll share my story. Um, you know, I uh, I grew up in Christian home, um, and uh, my my parents and when I was a kid, like maybe four years old, um, we moved actually to to China and then Taiwan. We were missionaries there for a few years, but I I, I grew up mostly in the Seattle area, and um, you know, my childhood like. We, there was a lot of internationals in the Seattle area, and so, like, growing up as a kid, we always had people from all over the world coming over to our house, gatherings. They'd stay with us. Some of them would stay with us for, like, weeks or months. And so, like, I think as a kid, it was like, that's part of what it means to be a Christian is to just open doors, hospitality, sacrifice. Um, and then in high school, I think I started becoming more... I guess serious about my faith, make it more of my own. Um, I was meeting with like a mentor, started developing some habits of just like reading the word, prayer. And um, so it was like good things happening, but at the same time, I remember like in high school, um, just like struggling a lot with like feeling accepted, especially from like my peers. And, um, and then I just remember spending a lot of time like praying and being like, okay, God, like, help me remember that my identity isn't based on like what other people perceive of me, but, but as like a child of God. Right. And, um, and at the same time, I, I had like a lot of pride, like looking back, had a lot of pride and that's something I think God's still working in my life on. And, um, and so, you know, that was, that was high school, college, some extent. And then like, then it was like life, adulthood, you know, marriage, career, and now I'm a dad. And and then, you know, for almost like 12 years, I've been involved in this work in West Africa where everything's like very unpredictable. And so all of my adult life, I feel like I've just been learning 
over and over again this this lesson of um, like trusting in God, and, um, and it's just like the same lesson over and over again, and it it has it's still like hard to remember to trust God and hard to hard to trust God, but um, I'd say that like because of the experiences I've had, like it makes it it makes it easier to know that I can trust God, you know, like I have that confidence. And, um, and so now it's like, I'm kind of at this point where it's like, yeah, I've been, I've been following Jesus my whole life, but, um, I've never, I've never been baptized, just haven't gotten around to it. And, um, and I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm 38. Like I've had a lot of life. I hopefully have a lot more life to go. And like now I'm a dad and, um, and it's just like, I think it's a good, as good of a time as any to just like declare like and and to say that like I trust Jesus as my savior is the one who's like saved me from my sins and I and I hope that for the rest of my life like you know I want to continue to follow God and um so yeah so that's why I'm here today um the other thing that's kind of cool about today that I didn't even think about until actually my my, my mom pointed out to me this morning is that um today's October 2nd it's like in our family it's adoption day because we adopted Morrow exactly two years ago on this, on this day. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I realized it's like, well, that's, that's like, it's, it's adoption day for me too. Like I'm being adopted into, into, you know, God's family as, as God being my heavenly father. And, and so it's just a cool day to be able to, to celebrate that, you know? So, Yeah. <laughs> And th- those are the things God does. Um, gosh. And there, there's a story in Acts, actually, at one point. It, it's, they're having a conversation, and uh, it goes like, hey, there's some water right there. Let's just do it now. Uh, and I think there's this idea of having regular baptisms helps us do that. It says, man, we got some water here. Let's do it. Uh, so, again, for you, as you sit, if you have not been baptized and you hear their stories, this idea that we are receiving the grace that God has extended us in his son Jesus. Um, if you have not professed that before and want to, You'll have time between now and when we head outside. Um, so just a, a short prayer and blessing, and then we're all going to start moving out and receive a blessing on our way out. So I'll ask Daniel and Kathy uh, to actually head to the back and get ready for that. Yeah, so why don't we all stand uh, and just join in prayer here. So, Father, yeah, we, we come before you in this act of baptism. This thing that throughout the scriptures we see done over and over and over again as not the, 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 the magic water that something happens in the water that saves us, because it's only your grace and, and your sacrifice that does actually save us, but there's power in the waters of baptism. There's powers in the vulnerability of publicly proclaiming that we've received the inward transformation that, that you've invited us to, this long journey, and we wanna proclaim that, that we now associate differently. We associate with the life and the people of Jesus, and, and may we feel that weight today for those that have been baptized, those that are going to be baptized, and those that one day will be baptized. May we be reminded that following you is what you have said brings life, and it is done from a place of you saying, I love you. I love you. Will you receive my grace in your life? Another thing we see throughout the scriptures oftentimes with baptism is a renewing or an infilling of the Holy Spirit. 
So God, I ask today over Chris, Kelly, and anyone else, may, may there be a, a new indwelling of the Holy Spirit, something that unlocks some new gifts and some new calls, the things that you're doing in their life. May they, may they walk more aware of your spirit, how you guide, how you convict, how you transform. So we ask for that this morning, God. Holy Spirit, come. We thank you for both of them to share vulnerably. May you move powerfully through the act of baptism this morning in all of us. We give you to them, as each of us do. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, what we're going to do is Chris and Kelly are going to get into their swim clothes, as I will do also, and also Andrew File will. Um, but for the rest of us, here's what we're going to do. And this is an opportunity to receive a blessing wherever you're at this morning. Some of you have been baptized. Some of you have not been. The blessing of God is for all people. So what you're going to do is, is as we leave, starting with kind of the back row, is that you will walk inwards, so to the middle. You'll walk straight back, and there's two cup tables with water cups on them. If you've been baptized before, feel free to grab one of those cups and then turn the way you came from. So if you're on this side, you're going to exit right. If you're on this side, you're going to exit left. You on this side will walk right up to Daniel. You will hold your cup out. He will dip his finger in the cup, and he will give you a blessing on your forehead. If you do not have a cup in your hand, which is great and good, he will also give a blessing just putting his hand on your shoulder. Kathy is going to do the same thing for this side. Okay, so you will exit the center, grab a cup of water. If you've been baptized, head over. If you have not been baptized, again, this is not a, a who has and who hasn't. Just keep following, receive the blessing. You'll head downstairs. You'll head to the front door, not through the kids' area, because not all the kids are coming out. Uh, you'll go to the front, and then you'll head right down here to the backyard. There's some blankets out if you want to sit, and then there's a standing room. Um, when you get out there, you'll dump the rest of your water cup into the baptismal. What this is, is this is an, an, an act of remembrance of your own baptism, if you've been baptized. It's also an act of unity, saying that, that we are becoming one through baptism, through the saving grace of Jesus, and it starts to redefine what it looks like to be people. That we are, we are held together by something new and greater than anything else that's holding us together now. And so we all get to participate in the act of baptism this morning. Okay, so one more time down the middle, grab a cup if you've been baptized. Either way, everyone heads. If you want to be baptized between now and that water, Andy will be by the Get Connected table. And then we will meet you all outside which will be there to play some music. So back row, why don't you go ahead and get us started? And we'll exit the middles for sake of clarity. 